I love talking to people more interesting than me, and that's almost everybody. It's a bunch of malarkey, Linton. I'm yelling retreat, and they're like, you're not in charge. And I'm like, I don't care. Most of the time, assume I'm just joking. (laughs) Ali Hoop. Ali Hoop. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Longtime friend of uh, this duo here in Studio B. His name is Adam Law, former BYU baseball standout, minor league baseball standout. Adam, it's always nice to talk with a guy who helped Jeremy and I begin the broadcasting madness with big-time plays on the airwaves of iProvo. Indeed, it's great to be here. We were we were watching family videos over Christmas, and to see the suits and the shirts and ties that you guys were wearing to those games back in 2007 and eight were epic. <laughs> it was so bad. Okay, one time I tried to appease both fan bases when Provo played Timview. So to, to be, we had our own Wayne's World show, if you will, Sports Valley. Yes. It was on iProvo, local cable access, Provo and Timview Sports. Adam was at Provo. Bronson Kafusi and the guys were over at Timfew. The Bills, you know, it was awesome. So one time to a Provo Timfew uh, game, I wore a green, orange shirt with a green tie, thinking I would appease both. <laughs> both fan bases were ticked. <laughs> they were so mad that I would wear the other's color. Oh my gosh, Th- those are some fun times though. And Adam, it was odd, oddly enough, there were a ton of BYU guys during that era. A lot of BYU guys for all sorts of sports too. So it was fun to go to the next level and see everybody on campus uh, at BYU. How much contact do you keep with your old uh, high school running makes, guys like uh, Brandon Davies and Kyle Collinsworth and Chris Collinsworth, for that matter? Yeah, we keep in, we keep in contact here and there with how people move throughout the world and the country. Our best way to keep in contact is via social media, for sure. Uh, but then Chris Collinsworth and I, we still keep in pretty regular contact and keeping up on each other's families and, and what we're doing. We're really lucky to have had great years at Provo High and to see the success of so many of my teammates has been awesome. You've been in the news. We'll talk about that in a second uh, related to N95 masks. But I do want to relive a play, and I think we did the last time you were on. It's just too good to not, right? So Provo wins the state title and Lone Peak wins the state title. You guys play each other early in the season. It might have been the first game. Um, you make the game-winning shot in this. There are two uh, NBA players on the on the floor there, but you're the one that gets the ball, right? Brandon Davies and Kyle yeah. Collinsworth end up going to the NBA. Describe to us what happened for you to take down Tyler Haas and Lone Peak. Um, yeah, I remember Coach Drury, our coach at the time, had drawn up a, up a play to get Kyle and Brandon on a pick and roll, and Lone Peak came out and really face guarded those guys. And so I was kind of the outlet man slash last resort and the inbounds pass came to me probably 30 feet away. And I just let it fly. And there's a good picture that I always like to bug Tyler about of him with his hand up. And I just made it rain and we won the game, which was, which was really cool. It was a kind of a big rivalry uh, between the two of us. We were obviously the best two teams in the state and how I got the shot. Who knows, but I'm just happy that it went in, that's for sure. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, we're going to need you to tweet that picture out today so that we can circulate that again just for Tyler Haas. 
Okay. <laughs> Adam Law with us on BYU Sports Nation. Adam, as Jaron mentioned, you were very much uh, not standing on the sidelines in the fight against this world pandemic. Uh, you have received some very well-deserved notoriety uh, in the media for what you're doing to help produce N95 masks. And for those that aren't familiar with an N95 mask, is it's, those are the ones that help health workers and help people stay safe as they work to fight this pandemic. So why did you feel like you wanted to get so involved uh, specifically producing N95 masks, and how did you do it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so my brother owns and operates a dental and orthodontic supply company. And two, three weeks ago, he was hearing of the shortages of PPE supplies, personal protective equipment. And he wanted to leverage his knowledge and his expertise in manufacturing things out of China with his trusted factories, which he does for the dental and orthodontic sector, but instead see if he could put a dent in what was happening in the U.S. and now in the world. And so he put his operation on kind of pause and started sourcing these PPE materials and was having a real difficult time getting them into hospitals and those who need them most. And so he reached out to his family members via a Zoom phone call one night and just said, does anybody have any connections? We've got these supplies, but we can't get them in in with people. And so all of my siblings and I, my parents, we made phone calls. Um, I took to Twitter and Instagram and have had a few things kind of blow up. And we've gotten a ton of support, a ton of people who need them and were able to set them up with with what they need. This has been awesome because we've seen lots of people rally to the cause. You're one of them. Um, and you've been very vocal on Twitter, which has been awesome. What's the reaction been like? What kind of success have you seen as you've tried to uh, help out on the cause here? Um, man, so, so much success and really some heart wrenching stories. We've had emails or direct messages from healthcare professionals, from the children of healthcare professionals saying, we worry to send my mom or father into the hospital because they're rationing the masks and the face shields that they have. And so can you please just send us out uh, some few things in, in that? And then we've had hospital administrators on the other side saying, we don't have materials. Can you send us hundreds of thousands of, of supplies? And so it's been really cool to support uh, the big dogs, people who need it the most, and then also individuals coming from their families. Amazing stories. Uh, what kind of feedback are you getting from them in terms of uh, the impact that it's making in these hospitals and, and these care centers worldwide? Uh, you know, people, right as they place the order, they want to know their tracking number and when it's going to get there because the need is just so great. But when the supplies have been delivered, we've had follow-up emails thanking us for uh, what we're doing. And really, it's it's my brother who put his normal business on pause in order to help other people. And it's been great to see him in the example that he's been to me and so many other people about catering to the individual as well as catering to the masses who are in need also. That's, that's great work. Absolutely. Um, you, you also mentioned uh, in jest uh, a day ago, um, you're carrying uh, a few different types. You do not carry the model shown in the picture below. Uh, it's a jock strap uh, that is probably your dad's from when you were little, right? The original N95. Yeah, you're right. You know, brothers, 
with free time on Saturdays, you just don't know what you're going to get into. And my mom snapped that picture and we recirculated amongst ourselves. And I, <laughs> I thought that, that was kind of funny. <laughs> you haven't seen that. Uh, yeah. We'll make sure that people see that as well as the we, shot you hit against Tyler Hawk. We do not recommend doing that yeah. now. We recommend using actual N95 masks. Yes, absolutely. True. Now, Adam, what's crazy about all of this is you're holding down a full-time job and you're, you're trying to do all, all of this, uh, coronavirus fighting amidst just living your normal life. So how are you balancing your schedule and what are you up to now uh, after baseball? Yeah. So uh, I've taken a position with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm involved with some international development in their player department and uh, do a lot with um, practice planning, skill development, uh, those types of things. And so given with that MLB is shut down right now. Not only are we trying to uh, kind of get ahead of everybody else through personal development or professional development, uh, refining our processes on how we go about things, but also now trying to juggle uh, the whole PPE thing and, and getting masks into the hands of those who need the most has been, it's been a bit of a challenge, but luckily on the, on the bright side, baseball, no games are being played. And so I'm able to, to kind of have two windows open at a time doing my job with the Dodgers as well as trying to fulfill orders and get the word out about what we're doing. That's good to hear that you're still in the game and still working there, which is awesome. I'm still bummed that last year, right before spring training, come on, right before spring training, my Mariners cut you because we hung out at spring training, which was really fun. So I'm, I'm still mad a year later, Adam. I want you to know that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And is your dad still working in uh, baseball as well? He is. He's with the Cleveland Indians, and he's a bench coach for one of their minor league teams located in Lake County. Oh, awesome. And how's, uh, how's Grandpa Vern doing? Grandpa Vern's doing great. He just barely turned 90 Woo! and is strong and shoveling walks, sweeping, doing gardening and everything. He's doing great. It's pretty cool to see a Cy Young winner on the front row of every BYU women's basketball game. Uh, awesome. I, I love it. They, they are ultimate BYU fans. <laughs> they are. They're great. Adam, uh, we love to tell the story. It's an incredible work that you're doing, and we know you're busy uh, traveling internationally, working for the Dodgers. So safe travels, uh, stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you guys. You got it, man. Adam Law on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. We have a lot of fun memories from when we did high school games. You and I for about a year and a half, then I did it for another year after. Um, once you graduated, it was so fun to just interact with little Adam Law, who ends up being this fantastic baseball player at BYU and goes into the minors, got up to AAA, which is pretty cool. Uh, I was hoping to see him play for my Mariners. I, I even considered, you know, going to that game or whatever, because yeah. we've been there for this journey, calling some of his baseball games in high school. But there were just so many amazing athletes that we covered at Provo and Tiffy High that ended up playing here. And it wasn't just football and men's basketball. It was uh, women's basketball and, and uh, baseball players and whatnot, which is pretty fun. So good to see Adam doing good work, too. And, and we're seeing a lot of people rally to this cause, which is awesome. Not just big businesses, but uh, Adam and his brother's dental supply company. You know, yeah, everyone's trying to get that? the masks. Yeah, that's just an incredible effort yeah. uh, from the law family. And, and we're seeing great things from Silicon Slopes over the weekend, by the way, with uh, testing, which is awesome. Brian Windhorst uh, jumping on SportsCenter and get up this morning saying, testing, testing, testing is what we need. So it's good to see everyone rallying because we are behind in a lot of things. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. 
You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. You've waited since last Thursday for this result and our next play in our BYU Sports Nation best play bracket matchup presented by doTERRA. A reminder of how it works. Our selection committee pitting the top eight best plays from BYU football against the eight best plays from BYU basketball, all to determine the top play from the athletic calendar year. Yeah, we're whittling them down. You can go to vote.buatv.org to vote. Uh, Your votes are 100% of uh, what happens here. The polls close at 11 a.m. Eastern time every day, and then we announce the winner and the next matchup on the show, which is happening right now. Mm -hmm. In our first Elite Eight matchup of the bracket, the top-seeded football play from Micah Simon avoids the upset from Dax Milne. The 64-yard catch against Tennessee moves on 57% to 43%. It was dead even. Then there was a late push for Micah late in that voting period. The the Milne upset... Uh, you know, was it was real? It, it could have happened. This Simon is the number one football seed, and it advances. Uh, you're right; it was close. Uh, Dax Milne had two plays in the top eight. Both emerged out of the round of sixteen. So here yeah, we he's go. He still got another chance to get into the final four if he beats Tyson Williams. Right, he's got his South Florida play. Uh huh. Well, that's what happens when you make great catches. You just have more plays in this, right? Okay, so uh, today's matchup: second seed on the basketball side, T.J. Hawes on November fifteenth at Houston with the dagger game winner. To Hawes with three seconds. Hawes pulls up, fades away. Gets yes, the T.J. Hawes. I love the Mark Mark Pope Mark Durant hug there. TJ just turns and hugs. We talked about Tyler having a shot made on him, and now with Adam Lawn, now here's TJ Huss making a shot. So yes, yeah. Mark Durant with arms wide open. <laughs> <laughs> Random note: Pearl Jam came out with a new album. Really good. Really. The last week, yeah. Okay. Shout out to Pearl Jam for helping us out. In the uh, in this crazy time. And a shout-out to Creed as well, just because, right? Just because. Scott <laughs> Stapp, where are you at? TJ Howe's game winner will take on a little bit of trickeration in the football three-seed. Baylor Romney hitting Matt Bushman for the touchdown against Boise State. It's a handoff to Katoa. It's a give to Hefo. It's a flea flicker and a throw to Bushman. It's complete and another touchdown! Ah, Yes. The double reverse flea flicker from Baylor Romney to Matt Bushman. (laughs) What a play. And was it even hard? It was BYU's third-string quarterback. Who saw that happening in the Boise State game? Okay, one, the play, and then that Baylor Romney would be the starting quarterback delivering it. The highest-ranked team, the the best win of the season by ranking was Boise State. That was crazy, man. That goes overlooked because the season really kind of sputtered out. BYU finally got not one but two signature home wins under Kalani Satake. They hadn't had yes. one. They got two in the same season. Absolutely. So go to vote.buatv.org. Haas, game winner at Houston, up 63% to 37 right now on Romney to Bushman. BYU needed trick plays to win. And remember, this is the first game where BYU mixes up some of the play calling duties. Yeah. Um, Aaron Roderick has more input in this process, right, with Jeff Grimes and Fessy Satake uh, and company. And that was important because in this game, BYU probably could have lined up straight up, but they had a few tri- uh, uh, 
trick plays, right, that worked. Uh, the fourth and one where Romney dips down like he's going to QB sneak it and he to throws Matt over Bushman. the top to Matt Bushman. This was Matt Bushman's, you could argue, his best game as a Cougar because he was uh, vital in helping BYU win a big game. I would love to see more of this from Matt Bushman where you go, hey, BYU's throwing to Matt Bushman in the end zone and he's going to make a play in a big game. And yes. BYU got a big win. That was a really big win. BYU did go 7-6. and six. They did get three top 35 wins. That's the frustration is, where was this team all year? Because they beat Tennessee and USC and Boise State in the final ESPN-FPI. Top 35. Three of those. You know what? Steve Young would love to see some more of that trickeration from Aaron Roderick as well, Jerem. Yes, he would. Yeah. Last yeah. time he was on, he was uh, vocal about that. Vote.byutv.org so that you can vocalize your opinion on our best play brackets. I'm interested to see on this one because the, the buzzer-beating element of this is really strong, right? Um, if it's with five seconds left, maybe it's a little different. I don't know. But uh, TJ Howes has already been upset once in, in this tournament of uh, the best play bracket. I'm interested to see. What happens here? Yeah, until BYU beat Gonzaga at home to close out that epic senior night, that this was, win was the best win on the resume. Yes. Yes. I, actually and uh, perceptual. Yes. Yes. Both. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is Paisley Johnson from the great state of Idaho, BYU women's basketball standout, uh, who... Uh, Watched her season come to an unfortunate end, but then watched everybody's season come to an unfortunate end due to the pandemic. Paisley, uh, first of all, how are you? How's your health and, and how are you holding up? Oh, I'm healthy. I'm still just as energetic as ever. I'm doing good, and I'm just here spending time with Connor and his family, so I'm just enjoying myself. Now's a great time to get engaged, right? Then you can just hang out. Oh. You can really experience what life is like. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what's what's it like after getting uh, engaged and then all of a sudden a lot of your plans are probably messed with in a major way, right? Yeah, definitely. It's been a roller coaster of a ride with trying to plan this wedding because we were anticipating getting married on May 1st, but I don't know how likely that is at this point, but we're still planning. We've moved some dates around, canceled a few things, but... I don't know, keeping high spirits because I'm just happy. Like, I get to be with someone that is not too uh, crazy and uptight about planning stuff like this, so it's all good. Is he nearby? Um, I think he's upstairs. Oh, okay, good. So you could speak <laughs> openly. It, look, it looked like you were looking over like, can I say this in front of him? <laughs> he can't hear anything, but he could hear he's you. Watch, right? He's watching it. Yeah. He's watching He's it. upstairs watching it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Paisley Johnson with this on BYU Sports Nation. How are you, uh, or I guess, what's the new day for the basketball wedding of the century at BYU? <laughs> um, see, I don't know. It's so <laughs> crazy right now, but we're hoping for May 1st. If that doesn't happen, we'll go from there whether we – We'll anticipate a civil marriage first and then a ceiling or just straight to the ceiling waiting a couple more months. But I don't know. It's crazy. Everything is just crazy at the moment, though. It is crazy because a few weeks ago, I guess a month ago, we're sitting in Vegas broadcasting all these uh, games at the tourney, including BYU playing in it. And then, uh, you know, and there's talk of Corona and we're aware of this thing, but we're still shaking hands, and we're still, you know what I mean? Some people aren't, but some people are. It's wild how quickly that advanced. What, walk us through kind of 
what happened with you and the team once um, you know it got much worse quickly after that? Yeah, so we came home from Vegas after our tournament, and we went had like Sunday off, and then we came into our team room on Monday to have a team meeting. And Jetty's talking to us saying, hey, like, we have a good opportunity for the NIT. Like, let's still work hard. We're still going to practice. Like, I don't really know what's happening with this COVID-19 stuff. Um, and then, like, all of a sudden we heard that the NBA had canceled their um, games. And then, like, Jetty at that point was just anticipating them canceling the NCAA tournament as well as the NIT. So, um I think things just happened really quickly because I think that next Tuesday after Monday, I went to class early in the morning and my professor was like, okay, we're going to online school. Like the school hadn't even put out anything yet, but he's like, he said, I'm going to decide to go into online school for this class just for the next two weeks to see what's going to happen and just keep us safe. But then all of a sudden that day happened and things just a ripple effect happened and everything started shutting down. So it was something very quickly to happen and kind of scary, but um, I don't know. It just is something quick. And the team was obviously really distraught, not being able to finish what we wanted to finish. Yes, we finished our tournament, but we still wanted to go postseason and have that opportunity. But I don't know, just crazy times. <laughs> Certainly said. Uh, well said. Yes, it is crazy. Um, and, and once you get through the craziness of your wedding to uh, Connor Harding of BYU basketball, I can't help but be excited about what BYU women's basketball brings back next year with you, obviously, and Sarah Hampson and Shaylee Gonzalez coming off a torn ACL, not to mention some others that are going to play a significant roles. So what kind of team does BYU women's basketball bring back next year, in your opinion? Oh, we're going to be resentless. We're just so excited to get back on the court. I know Shaylee is pumped out of her mind. Lauren, uh, Lauren um, Gustin is so excited as well. She's, she's ready to come play. She redshirted last year. And um, I don't know. Everybody's just hungry. We, we're, we're not too happy with our record, and we wanted to hit 20 wins, but um, that, didn't, that didn't come to pass. So... I think we're all just super excited and just ready to get back on the court and have a good time because, I don't know, I think this is a good time to just be be away from each other to realize that we want to be around each other and just work even harder. Paisley, it's great to catch up with you, and uh, we appreciate the positive vibes. Good luck with the approaching wedding, and stay safe and healthy. Give our best to Connor and his family, and let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma just, just because we want to share the karma for good luck for whatever in the future. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Tell Connor hi, by the way. I will. (laughs) See you, Paisley. Bye. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is our pleasure to welcome in BYU offensive lineman and one of the top 10 offensive linemen in the entire country, according to Pro Football Focus, James Empey on Skype via the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. James, right now you look like a man who would be Porter Rockwell's bodyguard. Uh, How would you explain life with spring ball on hiatus? Man, it it, uh, is kind of bummered spring ball get cut in half like it did, but uh, I feel like everybody's trying to see silver linings and positives and, and keep working any way that they can, you know, stay on top of their schoolwork. So it's been, it's been good, but we're missing football. 
Absolutely. Physically, how are you staying in shape and, and how are you staying mentally sharp with no spring ball? And then we don't know what's going to happen this summer. Yeah. So right now, I think everybody's just trying to work out any way that they can. Um, our strength staff has been awesome and sending out some uh, a whole bunch of home workouts and different things like that. So um, a lot of guys have been been trying to do that and stay on top of their schoolwork, stay mentally sharp that way. And we got all the resources with film and all that. So it's been it's been good. It almost feels like uh, being back on uh, a mission because you don't have the resources necessarily where you live, although maybe at your house you have way better stuff than Portugal where you went on your mission. But does it remind you of that at all? Like, okay, i got to kind of figure this out and be motivated myself. Yeah, you know, it, it, it kind of does. you got to be a little bit creative and, and find new ways to challenge yourself, and, and that's, the, uh, that's the goal and the challenge in, in and of itself, you know, trying to, trying to keep at it. James, one of the challenges of being a high-level athlete is to maintain uh, controlling the next thing and maintaining an attitude of optimism. So when you hear things like, hey, golf is going to reschedule the three major championships on U.S. soil for later this year, and you see baseball players are putting together a plan that maybe they could be back in training camps by May, how does that affect your emotions in getting ready for the football season? Oh, it it, uh, it just makes me excited because I know the – I know the NCAA is going to find a way to, to get everything back rolling again and and make up for, for what was lost over this time. So when, when I hear of things happening like that for other sports, it, it makes me um, excited and optimistic for, for the future. Hopefully we can get things rolling sooner than later. And that would be awesome. Let's say that it doesn't get better and it has to be moved to, say, the spring or something. Would you be okay with that? Um, yeah, just as soon as we can play football. If it's in the spring, let's let's play football, you know what I mean? There have been all kinds of options thrown out there, too, some of which were like, okay, play October, November, and then resume in February or something. And I thought, you know, I just don't want December games <laughs> in, in Provo. I don't know how you feel. You're the center. You're snapping the ball. you got to have a handle there. What would that be like? I mean, besides playing one bowl game, right? You know, it might be a little cold, but rain or snow, if we're playing football, we're playing football. So, Spoken like a go. true offensive lineman, Yes. <laughs> Okay, uh, James, this is a little off topic, but something we need to address. Jerem is adamant yeah. that you go by Jim now, that you're no longer an underclassman. <laughs> You've matured into Jim, I feel. What, what do you think about that proposition? You know, I'll, I'll tell you what. They, uh, every, everybody in the O-line room has a nickname, and, and uh, I, I didn't have one for a while, and it's starting to become Jimmy. <laughs> and so uh, it, as, as soon as you get a nickname that sticks, then then you, you know, with the old line at least, then then it's going to stick forever. So, I mean, everybody's in the room got one. We got some funny ones. So it's a uh, it's, uh, term of endearment, I guess. Um, are there others that you can name uh, for us that are appropriate for BYU? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, let's see. Tristan Hodge is Tree. Okay. Yep. Shannon is Chando. Clark is Clarky. Uh, Blake Freeland is Groot. Groot. <laughs> That's uh, great. Brady is Brad. <laughs> time is Time Time. So we got we got all sorts of stuff. That's great. Uh, oh. does, does Eric Mateos have one? Can you give your coach a nickname? Or? Um, he hasn't got one yet. He hasn't got one yet. Okay. We're working on it. It's okay. early. It was year one. This is year two. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, we'll give yeah. you some time. For now, we'll uh, we'll be pleased with uh, Groot and Brad and Jimmy. <laughs> 
I love those Chando. That's great. Uh, Pro Football Focus has uh, given you some flattering uh, acknowledgement and rankings, and we've talked with you about that a little bit. One of the latest was uh, 10th best returning offensive lineman in the country. Um, it, w- when, did you, when did you feel like, okay, I, or, and maybe you haven't, I don't know. When did you feel like, hey, I'm pretty good at this, but I still want to get better? Um, you know, for the most part, it's always just feeling like you got to get better every day. You know what I mean? It's, it's always nice to hear somebody, uh, you know, think that you're playing well, but, uh, to me, I feel like it motivates me even more to prove everybody, um, that I, that I'm better than that. You know what I mean? And so, um, and I, I feel like that's how our whole line feels is, is sometimes, um, you know, you hear the praise and you try not to drink the poison and, um, you just work on being the best you can be because really you're only as good as your next play. So um, that's, that's I guess, what, what I'm focusing on, what we're focusing on as an O-line and as, a, as an offense this next year to, uh, to just uh, focus on the next play and be the best we can be and not drink the poison or dwell on the past. You make a great point because there's a certain confidence that could uh, boo you up from the praise, right? But you've, you've said don't drink the poison. It doesn't make you better per se, right? You, you've got to be challenged. I like that point you made. Who's the best O-lineman on the team, by the way? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough question because everybody's so good in their own different ways. You know, everybody kind of has their own edge that they play with. Um, Brady's played so good in the first two weeks of spring ball. It was nice to have Tree back. Um, Channing was playing at a high level. Clarky is just – Clarky's nasty. Um, we've got so many guys. Groot, <laughs> Blake is uh, – <laughs> <he's>, um, <laughs> He's he's making his way into the picture and playing really really good and and improving every day. So, you know that that's kind of a loaded question, but I think everybody's playing um, was playing you know for the two weeks that we had at uh, better than they were in the fall and and that you know that's the goal is just getting better every day. And so I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's who's the best O lineman, but um, who the the best five guys that we can get out there at the at the same time you know and that's that's what we try to figure out every day in practice. James, you have snapped the ball just last season alone to three very capable quarterbacks. How much do you have to alter your game depending on the quarterback that you're snapping the ball to? Not much at all. Um, those those guys are good, and they're they're versatile, and they come in and do whatever they're told, and our offense is, is meant to be run with whoever's back there. So uh, not much changes. We've talked about this after practice. Um, the quarterbacks come in and out, right? But you'll stay on the first team there. Uh, and, and sometimes you'll snap the ball to a – you don't even know which quarterback it is behind you, right? Sometimes? Yeah, some, sometimes. I, I, don't, I don't really know their rotation. I'm just focused on the next play. You know? So sometimes <laughs> you'll makes... be like, hey, wait, that was you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Jaron now. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, we, we, we read a funny article by uh, Ty Detmer um, where he, he said in the 1989 game against Utah, he, he was so good they pulled him after three quarters, but he had to use the bathroom. So we asked Lavelle Edwards if he'd go to the bathroom. Anyways, he goes to the locker room. It's locked. He goes and uses a public restroom, which is insane, right, for Ty Demmer. Have you had anything crazy like that during a game where you're like, shoot, i got to use the restroom right now, or I need to leave the field for any minute? Because you're the starting center. you got to be out there. Yeah, I've, I've, never, I've never had an issue like that. But that's, that's really funny. Imagine, imagine being in the stall next to Ty Detmer in the middle of a football game. That'd be, that'd that's be crazy, awesome. right? Well, and he, it, it was against Utah, and he's thrown at that point for like 350 yards on 18 of 22. And it's like, hey, Ty, uh, you're having a nice game today, man. Hey, good, good game, man. <laughs> 
Uh, speaking of Ty Detmer, I know your dad is uh, very close friends with him. How much does your dad, Mike Empey, still coach you up personally? Um, a lot. It, it's uh, I've said this before. It's been cool to kind of find like see him as as dad instead of coach. You know, with with football and things like that, because he he coached me all through that that first year of college. You know what I mean? Ever since I was little, he was he was coaching my team. So um, now that he's dad, he, he tries not to to be as uh, coach like. Um, but he still he still finds ways to to help me out and coach me and when I have questions I'll I'll ask him and he'll he'll help coach me up so it's it's definitely a really nice resource to have and um but it's it's been cool to to kind of see things change a little bit and still have dad and coach you know describe the difference between the two um <laughs> coaches coaches are a little more in your face and so it, as his role as dad coach he's a little bit less in my face and a little bit more uh you know, kind of help out with, with some other things. So it's good. James, uh, let's finish with this, a little lightning round. I'm going to say the name of one of your teammates, and I want you to describe them in one word. And we will Ooh. start with Tristan Hodge. Cultured. Ooh, okay. Cultured, yeah. He, he dips into all kinds of books and comics and movies, right? Okay, very good. Bracken L. Bakri. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, a quarterback, Zach Wilson. Um, uh, shoot. Uh, <laughs> Your hesitation says a lot. <laughs> uh, I, hey, he needs more than one word, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>, nothing. <laughs> Let's do all three quarterbacks, to be fair. Jaron Hall. Um, versatile. Mm-hmm. And Baylor Romney. Um, uh, let's see. What's the word? Um, what's the word? Uh, efficient. 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 Okay. I like that. Good words. Yeah. All right. You have passed the and test. Zach, Zach is baller. Oh, He's baller? Nice. Okay. I thought you were going to yeah, say pretty yeah. boy. <laughs> <laughs> It, it came to mind, but he's more of a baller. <laughs> and there's a dash in there to make it one word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. James, great to talk to you, man. Uh, we wish you continued health and success in uh, your unique off-season training programs. And I can't tell you how much uh, we are hoping to see you in August. And this thing gets cleared up very soon. Yeah, I hope so, too. Let's let's get back to football as soon as we can. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, man. Take care. James Empey on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Love James. He's really good. Uh, he is the best player, um, high, like highest-rated player, perhaps, on BYU's team. Maybe here, Brady Christensen, right? Perceptually, he's not rated at all. You don't think about the O-lineman. That guy's really good. He's going to be an BYU's NFL player. lucky to have him. He'll be an NFL oh. player. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. From extremely difficult and challenging times to consistent hard work on the court, Yoli Childs, has shown us what an incredible individual he is. And uh, that comes from surrounding himself with greatness in his family. Here is Deep Blue featuring Yoli Childs, presented by Tim Dolly Nissan. Okay, go for it. Yoli, take 47. 
You know how they always do that? Yeah. That was pretty good. Nice steal by Childs. How about that five-point surge? Childs for three. Got it. Yoli for three. Got another one. And BYU's back in the lead. I did have hard times growing up where uh, we moved around a lot, you know. I didn't necessarily know where we were going to move next, where we were going to live. I remember times where we'd be having dinner and uh, I'd notice my mom wouldn't be eating anything. And I'd be like, you hungry? Are you going to eat? And it was always, no, I'm, I'm not hungry right now. I'm not hungry tonight. And looking back, it's because, you know, there's times where we could afford food for me and my brother. And my mom wanted to take care of us first. She is an extraordinary woman that has taught him strength and compassion and loyalty, uh, all these extraordinary qualities he has. Being a single parent, there's a lot on your plate. There was a time we were at the elementary school and we were playing basketball, and I was just feeling really overwhelmed with everything that I had on my plate to the point I just didn't want to play anymore. And I went over and sat down against the, the brick wall. I think I just broke down and just, you know, just kind of started crying. And Yoli noticed, and he stopped what he was doing and, and walked over and flopped down on the ground next to me and held my hand, and he was like, don't worry, Mom, everything's going to be okay. I mean, I just needed him at that moment, and I think him just noticing and coming over and being that gentle, sweet kid that he that he is made me be able to like carry on and say you know what you're right quit feeling sorry for myself and let's just figure it out she's my hero her ability to sacrifice and care for two people so deeply just really impacted my life and showed me the way that you should live and the way you should care for others and like i said there are times when things were really tough where money was tight where i didn't know what was going to happen next and at the end of the day none of that stuff mattered because there was the three of us. <laughs> and we were happy. And we had fun together. And we made it work. Basketball's always been my life. Actually, my first word was ball. So ball is life for me. It literally is. From a young age, I just knew it's what I wanted to do. I remember being in first, second grade, and the teacher would have you write down, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? What's going to be your career? And I would always write NBA All-Star. And they would always tell you, you know, the classic, you know, pick something realistic. And I would just look at them as a seven, eight-year-old kid and be like, no, that's what I'm going to do. Well, what I remember most about Yo, it, early is how raw his emotions were. He was so passionate about winning, so passionate about uh, being good. He's a pretty excitable guy. His passion and his competitiveness, you know, at times will drive him to uh, launch a ball 25 feet in the air. He hasn't kicked one this year, but, you know, he's got a lot of passion for this game and really loves to be able to compete, you know, every single day. The way that he is as a player is not even close to how good he is as a person. When we met when he was 16, he wasn't that good at basketball. Like, I didn't even know who he was. Like, he wasn't Yoli Childs when we first started dating. Yoli Childs has this intrinsically felt faith that is absolutely contagious. Things go great, it's because for him and in his life, the way he reads it is because he's supposed to build on it. Things go wrong, there's always a reason. He believes 
I mean, I've seen it happen over and over again. When something goes wrong, he's like, hey, there is something I'm supposed to learn for this and some way I'm going to grow. He is a growth mindset guy that has exceeded anybody's expectations already in his career. And he's about to show us even more things we can't believe. He's just so different from anyone that I've ever known. And just the way he presents himself and carries himself and like the way he lives and the things that he does is just so different. So... He's just, I don't know, one of a kind. I don't know. She's my rock, you know. Uh, she's everything to me, and uh, just being with her calms me. She's kind of a balance in my life, and people really close to me will say the same thing, that uh, she just balances me really well. And no matter what I'm going through, like, she's my person, and she's the person that I need. When I had this stupid finger injury, I was super freaked out. I was looking at my bone, and I was, I think I was in shock or something. I was in the training room, and one of my teammates was in there with me, and he's like, what do you need? Like, can I help you? Can I do anything? Five times in a row, I was like, get my phone. I need my wife. I think that just kind of speaks to, to what she does for me. She makes me realize that no matter what, everything's going to be okay. My life's going to crap. If basketball's going to crap, you know, no matter what's going on, uh, if everything else sucks, as long as me and her are good, like, I'm good. Life's great. Being his number one person is just because he's my number one person. Just being with him and getting to be around him and learn from him has honestly taught me a lot of how to be a better person and to just be there to support him and just love him unconditionally. I've had to make a lot of difficult decisions in my life. There have been big ones of what do I want to do with my life? Where am I going to go to college? Am I going to go be a pro or am I going to come back to college? Am I ready to get married? You know, there's big decisions like that, but I think the things that we don't focus on a lot are the big decisions that are day-to-day. -day. Am I going to treat people right today? Am I going to hold the door open for someone today? Am I going to take the time to tell my wife I love her today and make her feel cherished and beautiful? You can't just let every day go by idly and uh, end up making good decisions on big decisions. I think it's about the little things that you do every single day. Yoli Childs, Deep Blue. If you didn't love him already, then you probably love him even more now. He, he's just a... Uh, I have a platonic deep love A unique, Childs, outstanding individual and his maturity. Gosh, man, he just, he's screaming the crop. He's an outstanding human being. He was pretty good at the basketball as well. Uh, sixth all-time in points at BYU. I don't know if you knew that, but BYU's been pretty good at basketball for a while. Uh, sixth is unbelievable. The all-time leading rebounder, he passed Kyle Collinsworth. Uh, against San Diego, I believe. Ninth all-time in points per game, sixth in O-boards, fifth in blocks, among others. We could talk about his stats all day. Good thing he came back, right? Last May, he held a press conference. He said it wanted, he wanted it to be a special season. Man, was he right. It was so special. A special dude, a special group, a team that we've talked about we're going to remember for a long time. Yeah. That was such a fun basketball season. Like, way better than what we could have expected. BYU finishes on this amazing high, you know, at home. Unfortunately, loses to St. Mary's, but we're not going to remember that part of it. We're going to remember the court storm and uh, Houston and Maui and these guys and Zach Selyus' mustache and hair and Jake Toulson and TJ. It was just an unbelievable season. And uh, the core of that, the heartbeat of that, to me, in the locker room, was Yoli Childs. Yeah. When he came back... Oh. Then it became, okay, this could be something really, really special. Yoli Childs had multiple offers, and we're talking about uh, some significant sums of money from teams in Asia and Europe. And we wondered, okay, he's coming back. How much can he improve his draft stock? He has helped himself considerably in that regard. 
Like I, I think Gilly Childs has way better of a shot of getting into the NBA and pursuing his, you know, top goal now by coming back to BYU and having done what he did. So it's just, it's I'm great. glad he came back. Me too. Me too. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's play Dope or Nope, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Jerem, take it away. Okay, today it would have been the national championship game in March Madness, the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to ESPN's BPI, it would have been B- – I can't even say it without laughing. Uh, BYU would have played uh, Wisconsin. So is this dope or nope? Uh, nope. <laughs> I just <laughs> – I, I, uh, Wait, why not? <laughs> it was fun in the moment when they originally announced it, but losing to Wisconsin, at least had BYU losing to Kansas or some program Again? that was a number one seed, not Wisconsin. Come on, man. TJ Oz is still mad about BYU losing to Wisconsin. I, I'm, yeah, nope. Yoli Jones was too. That was funny. Um, no. Yeah, it's a simulation. Come on. I, I can't get that excited about a simulation. I'm yeah. sorry. But... The thought I've avoided all these feelings of oh today would have been today would have been it's like <sighs> I don't want to think about that because I'm just sad. No, I'm becoming acclimated to this non-sports. I world, am too, and I hate it. Unfortunately, yeah, no, 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 I hate it. I, like, yeah, I, I'm getting I, used to it. I, I said this last week. I'm a little scared of heaven because is it like this with no sports? I'm like I want to go to heaven, no doubt, but I'm just wait. Can I get a little more? Hey, can I get a little more info? <laughs> all right, Jerem. Keep your energy where it is. I like it. Dope or nope, Sirius XM College Sports not including Cosmo in their best mascot bracket, then including them as a 16 seed after a BYU fan uproar. Uh, the nope part is uh, the initial answer, and then them including them. Yeah, absolutely. That was the right move. Well done, BYU fans. Well, well yeah, done. Yeah. Cosmo is the greatest mascot in the history of this or any other planet. I don't want to be hyperbole guy, but I actually do right here. Cosmo is unbelievable. He destroyed the Boston College Eagle and is currently, again, as a 16 seed. You're saying digitally, not like actually? Well, because I'm envisioning Cosmo, a cougar, attacking an endangered species. Not cool. (laughs) He's currently taking on the Duke Blue Devil. This is a 16 versus 1. How is Cosmo a 16 seed? Unbelievable. You, you, you want the update? Yeah, I have yeah it. give me the update. Okay, so so BYU emerged out of the first round, right? They're in the second round. Emerged? I mean, just steamrolled. Yeah. Yes. What was it? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember the okay, exact I don't know percentage, but it was, it was not close. Okay. Currently, BYU up 88 to, 88% to 12 over Duke after 1,400 votes. 1,400 votes. Yeah. BYU's up 88% to 12%. 16 versus 1. Listen. There were a lot of mobs against the Mormons, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. BYU is good about a digital mob in 2020, right? Um, being able to, quote, jimmer a poll. And BYU is currently jimmering this poll. SiriusXM did the right thing by adjusting. One, because BYU Radio is on SiriusXM. So they Hi. probably want to appease that. Yeah, yeah. we're streaming on Sir- SiriusXM right now. Sirius is the one that asked for a daily sports show on BYU Radio, and they answered. So, hi, here we are. And we asked for Cosmo in the later. bracket, and they delivered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, what's hurting Duke, Jerem, here, is that if you don't like Duke, you hate Duke. 
So it's like, yeah. uh, I don't care for BYU that much, but I hate Duke, so I'm going to vote for the BYU mascot. Yeah, and Coach K's like, I love Duke. <laughs> yeah. No, this is dope what BYU's doing. It's First, a, I'm okay with Duke. It's a yeah. mascot bracket, you know, but I'm more about Cosmo. I, just, mm-hmm. I, wish, I wish Duke wouldn't steal so many high-profile recruits that BYU could potentially get, but whatever. Let's walk through them in order. Mm-hmm. Chris Burgess. Mm-hmm. Frank Jackson. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Oh, sorry, Jabari Parker. Yeah. Then Frank Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those three right there. Yeah, Program Duke comes changers. in, it's hard to compete. Program changers. Exactly. Okay. I, hey, well, you could argue that Jake Tulson didn't go to Duke, and he stayed at BYU. That's true. BYU. He was recruited there. Yeah. You know what? Hey, there's a there's a moral victory. <laughs> can we get some more uh, can we get some Duke guys to come to BYU, huh? Yeah. Okay, Dope or Nope. Next up, BYU winning the best fans play-in vote over Creighton in the Fox College Hoops bracket. I think this is dope because this took a concerted effort on social media from BYU fans and the accounts of late push. BYU wins 51% to 49%. It was down to the wire. Creighton has one of the highest rated home attendance marks in all of college basketball. Their fans are rabid. They're very vocal. And they had a great season. They were a projected two or three seed. So to do this, I like that. I like that BYU fans banded together for all of these brackets. Yeah, uh, it's hard for me to get overly excited about simulations again. The other one was about Cosmo. I go, uh, I go, dope. Sure, yeah, BYU won. Awesome, great. Okay, and that wraps really up. Really into it. Dope or no? More simulations. What? The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. It's really fun to see all of these pro day numbers come out for BYU football players. The most recent set of numbers we received were those from a Northridge Knight and former BYU Cougar, Diane Gawolaku, including a 4-4-1 in the 40. We know he's fast. I didn't know he was that fast. Yeah. And he's strong as well. He's got that durability. Jerem, with all of the numbers that we've seen lately, Tyson Williams, Micah Simon, J.J. and Wigway, Austin Lee, among others, Moroni Laulupututau, we're seeing all these numbers come out. They look really good. Which BYU draft-eligible player helped themselves the most with their individual pro day numbers? Tyson Williams is the answer. He was off the board. And then uh, here we are six months after an ACL tear, and it's like, well, this guy's kind of been injured, banged around three schools. Like, what can he do, right? Physically, he is a monster. 4-4-8 in the 40. Would have been tied for sixth. Tied for third in the bench. Tied for eighth in the shuttle run. Uh, he would have been first in the three cone. Tyson Williams helped himself a ton. If you're looking at his production, he was good when healthy, right? He was five yards of pop. Uh, he did it against quality competition in the first four games for BYU. Tyson Williams went from, I don't really know, to, oh, wow, he should get a look as a running back. Now, the question will be, how healthy can he stay, right? But I really like the opportunity that Tyson Williams gave himself in this process. I think he, he helped himself the most. And that's saying a lot because I think, I think other guys did as well, which we'll break down in a second. Yeah, a couple of guys that kind of went from totally unknown to getting some notoriety are the likes of J.J. and Wigway. And I think Micah Simon, who we're going to talk to today, did himself some huge favors. But I'm with you. Tyson Williams is the guy that, with these set of numbers, helped himself the most. He was a guy that was highly recruited coming out of high school, a top 10 running back, went to South Carolina, had some injuries that he dealt with there, came to BYU. North Carolina first. Another injury here at BYU. 
But once again, Tyson Williams is ready to play pro football. And I mean, the three cone drill and the 40 and the bench press alone, he's strong and he's fast. I think the question for Tyson is, can he stay healthy? That, that'll be what people that interview him want to talk about is tell us about say, your yes, physical durability. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But Tyson Williams is the guy. Uh, I knew that Diane Gawoluku was going to have good numbers, and he and Austin Lee both got invited to postseason games. So it's not like they were these mysteries. We knew that they, they were didn't good. get an invite to the combine, though. So that's that's sort of the cut line of like, are you a legit NFL draft pick in the first you know four rounds or not? Yeah, my point being, they probably had the most notoriety because they received the invitation. So we we figured that Austin and Diane were going to do some good things. They have helped themselves, but yeah, you're right. Tyson went from totally off the board to wait a second i remember that guy let's take a closer look at him number two on the list for me is mike simon a four three five gets you a look just that number gets you a look top three at wide receiver in the 40 shuttle run and three crown he's quick and fast he had five total touchdowns this year people think oh he had two receiving touchdowns that's low no he had two rush as well jet sweeps and then he had a passing touchdown the former High school quarterback. Don Gawiluku, 4-4-1, amazing top 10 at his position in all but the vertical, and he was 12th in that. That's pretty wild. Austin Lee, top 10 in all categories for safeties but the 40, which he was 12th. J.J. Nwigway is interesting, too. He was totally off the radar to potentially gets a shot um, at a minimum level um, with, with what would have been the fastest three-cone of any defensive lineman in the country, right, uh, based on who went to the combine. MLP was never really healthy this season, but his numbers were good too. He was top six among uh, tight ends in 40 shuttle and three-cone plus a 35-inch vert. So maybe he gets a shot as well. I, I think these guys did well for themselves. I look at this talent that BYU has it, just physically. Obviously, football is more than just brute strength, speed, uh, and agility and whatnot. Uh, you have to have the skills uh, to perform well. And I, I just think, why was BYU 7-6 and six again? If BYU has a running back who's running a 4-4, uh, Levahifo ran a 4-4, Mike ran a 4-3, it's like, wait, what? Why, why did BYU go 7-6 <laughs> and six again? There's more to it, I understand. And bad teams can have a couple of these guys. But you stack up all the uh, NFL potential guys, and there's – there's some good numbers among these guys. I don't think BYU is going to have an NFL draft pick in a couple weeks because the draft is on. You can do that digitally, right, which is exciting. And they will, and I hope that they lengthen it out <laughs> as long as possible. Make it three weeks, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I do think BYU have several guys in camp. Yeah. It's not a terrible thing to be undrafted. Like, Look at half the NFL's undrafted. BYU had a Super Bowl champ this year that was undrafted. BYU has a guy that everyone talks about a lot that's undrafted in Taysom Hill. It's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, you want to know how they go 7-6? and six? Think about that list of guys we just went over. I think every single one of them missed at least a game in the season. That's crazy, mm. if not more. Tyson Williams out. Austin Lee sat out the bowl game, which I think cost BYU's defense in the game. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It's crazy how that happens. But, I mean, so it's not just injuries, but it's injuries to your primetime performers. It really hurts. And these are mo- most of them. There's some other guys of note, right, that weren't seen. Sure. Notably, Zach Wilson. Joe Lenardi released some bracketology for next season. BYU isn't in it, neither is St. Mary's. Gonzaga's a one seed, so let's talk about expectations generally for the Cougars. Is it NCAA tournament or bust each season now? No, not quite. Uh, BYU had an all-time team. We're talking about one of maybe the top five teams all-time at BYU with Yoli Childs, Jake Toulson, and TJ Haas 
all three of those guys gone, it's not time to say, hey, well, BYU has established a precedent of going to the NCAA tournament every year. Stop it. Every year? You Stop can, it. One is not enough volume. Exactly. It's just not enough. So, no, I'm not ready to heat that expectation on Mark Pope and BYU. The team, I'm sure they believe that, oh, we're going to get back to the tournament. Alex Barcelo and That's Gavin fine. Baxter and Colby Lee. I'm not talking about someone's belief. That should be the mark, and it will be the mark forever at BYU. We want to win the conference and get into the NCAA tournament. One of those is more likely than the other. But the expectation... Right now, it's just too early. It's too early, and I think next year is going to be the real test to see what Mark Pope can do as a coach. He, he, all credit to him. He went out and he got Yoli Childs to come back, and he yeah. brought Jake Toulson, and he convinced T.J. Haas to stay. And he developed that, the other guys. That was a masterful coaching yeah. job by him and the staff. But now he's faced with some real challenges replacing. Three outstanding players. So this, this is a challenge, and I cannot wait to see what Mark Pope can do with a team that we expect uh, probably to be bubbleicious. I don't know. For that'd, me, that'd be good. The yeah. expectation yeah. for me is well, they're going to play in the NIT at worst and be in contention to maybe sneak in as one of the final teams in. Making the NCAA tournament is not a standard at BYU. It's a goal. Because BYU's made it, they would have made it this year, once in the last five years. Right, when Dave Rose so, had gone, what, six years in a row? At that point, it's like, okay, that's the standard. Yeah, and I think he did eight of nine, the first nine years, right, or something. He had this unbelievable crazy run. Yeah, it's certainly uh, too much to think, yeah, every year you're going to make the tourney. Because guess what? If you're in the WCC and you're not named Gonzaga, it's hard to make the tourney. Uh, St. Mary's has won, won 28 games one year and didn't make it, right? Uh, BYU has been in the tournament uh, in years prior. Certainly, BYU could build up to that. And we'll see what additions BYU still needs to recruit and get here to put BYU over the edge. As currently constituted, I don't think BYU is an NCAA tournament team. I think they're close uh, uh, to being competitive. Depends on the schedule. Depends on having a couple alpha males, right? I think BYU needs a score or two still to put them over the top. And I'm excited, like you, to see... The development of these guys. We saw Dalton Nixon become a three-point shooter again after going one for 16 the year before in 23 charges. We saw Zach Selyus completely change roles, not to mention the star power of the big three, right? BYU had three of, in my mind, the top 65 players in BYU history. On the yeah, all-timer. BYU does not have any of the top 65 players in BYU history on the team going into next year. Uh, perhaps someone emerges and, and climbs in there, but as of now, I would project that none of them will be in that category. That is an elite group of people, right? To, to have Yoli Childs and Jake Jules and TJ Haas on the same team, that's incredible. So, yes, on April 7th, 2020, it's hard to say, yes, BYU should make the NCAA tourney or that should be the expectation, but if BYU adds a couple of transfers that make an impact and gel well, and the, the locker room stays as good as it's been or something similar, you don't have the sense of urgency this year that you had last year, which is, we haven't made the tourney, and we have a new coach, and we're seniors, and we're hungry, and we want to be good. Those factors won't exist in the same way. They'll have to be new angles, new motivating issues that BYU brings up. Right. You use the number 65, three of the top 65. Just looking at that graphic and doing some math very quickly in my head, 65 points of production lost per game with those five seniors. <laughs> 65 points. What a loss. And they were yeah. the urgency was there with the seniors. Uh, let's not be naive to the fact that this situation is so fluid. There are over 600 players in the transfer portal right now. More than 600. BYU and Mark Pope 
are going to get one or two. And remember last April when we were think, we were thinking, oh, man, what's BYU going to bring back next year with a new coach? And uh, It was T.J. Haas. And, nope. like, just, and just make the NIT. Just make the NIT. It'll be okay. It'll be a good start for Mark Pope. And then Yoli Childs announces he's coming back. Jake Toulson transfers in. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, this is an NCAA tournament team for sure. Right. What surprises will we have this year? Exactly. And the expectations can shift – uh, as simple and as weird as it seems with just one player. Can one player make that much of a difference again to push us into the category of, oh, they're going to make the tournament. We'll see what happens. Depends on the player. Yeah, it really does. Trading spaces, blue to red. Devin Kafusi announces yesterday he's leaving BYU to play football for Utah. And I quote Devin. Leaving BYU is one thing for a Kafusi, but leaving BYU to go to Utah is a whole different animal, he tells the Deseret News. But when it came down to it, with me transferring, Utah was just kind of always the school I had in mind. He continues. Always. It is one of my goals to become the best football player I can be, and just spending two years there at BYU, I felt that for me to develop into the person that I want to become, It wasn't happening there. He continues on. And so just seeing that and being in a football home all growing up and seeing years of good football and not so good football, I just felt like that for me personally, I could be a better football player somewhere else, end quote. That is a loaded, I mean, it's a load of content. I mean, a loaded quote. Where does the Devin Kafusi transfer to Utah impact BYU the most in perception or reality, Jerem? Perception. The reality is that Devin Kafusi is still figuring out, uh, you know, who he's going to be on the football field. And perhaps that's why he left. He had 15 tackles in two years, one sack. We expect the Kafusi to be really good, right? I'm going to expect more out of a junior and senior than I would a freshman and sophomore. So perhaps Devin will become this monster, amazing player at Utah. We were hoping it'd be here. Uh, but I, right now it's perception because when you look at the Kafusis, this is literally the first family of Provo. His mom, Michelle, is the mayor. So he's literally one of the sons of Provo. I wish I had been in that movie, by the way. I, I really enjoy that film. It's perception. For Devin Kafusi to leave the program, and not just leave, as he said, go to Utah, is something else. And you fill in the blank on what you think that something else is. I, I, I was, yeah, obviously, I'm like, wait, what? And when we just showed a graphic of Devin Kafusi with the Utah logo next to it, now I'm like, oh, wow, that's real for me. It's just weird. It's very weird. And his perception is that being at BYU is not going to better him. Look, think about what, where he's at. His two brothers are in the NFL. He wants to play in the NFL. And he's been moved around. He's had a shoulder injury. He had, he had uh, surgery. He wasn't going to be participating in spring ball. He feels like Utah is going to be a better place. Is it a fact or not that Utah has developed more defensive linemen than BYU the last, say, five or ten years? That is a fact that Utah has done a much better job than BYU. But it doesn't mean that he couldn't have developed here. But he personally feels like he needs to leave. And I'm disappointed. I like Devin a lot. I thought he could be a good player. He's a Kafusi. We love the family. We shot a commercial in their house. We've known them for over 10 years. Like, this is a, this is a bummer. And the fact that Utah is the place where he goes, that's hard to swallow. That is 
why it stings so much. If Devin had gone to Boise State or a Pac-12 school that's not Utah, let's say he goes to UCLA or Oregon State or any other school besides Utah, and it's more of a, huh, well, that's too bad. But best of luck to Devin. And I will credit BYU fans for the most part last night from the social media interactions I saw in response to the story, wishing Devin the best. But the overall sentiment was, man, why did it have to be Utah? Why Utah? That's why it stings so much because Francis Bernard is still fresh on the mind for BYU fans. A guy who we thought was going to be a star at BYU ends up at Utah, and now he's a legitimate NFL prospect coming as a linebacker. They're hoping that Devin plays well, but if Devin develops into this NFL talent again, it's going to be a, oh, man, what did we miss out on again? Didn't his brothers develop well here? I'm confused on why he feels that way. Um, what, is it, indi- just, it must just be individual to him or something. I know he, he's best friends with Britton Covey. Best friends. Like, tight, tight, tight with Britton. Now he gets to go up there and, and uh, play with Britton. And that's exciting which, for him. Yeah, and so I, I get some of the reasons, but I also don't get some of it. And, I hope Devin— and, and this is a mutinous move. It really is. To be a Kafusi and to leave BYU and to go to Utah was well, very at unique. Utah, right? right? So there have been Kafusis on both sides of the right. Sure, but it's been a minute. Come on, it's been a while. And his two older brothers and his two cousins are still on the team. And two cousins are still here. His two older brothers were stars at BYU. Yeah, yeah so it's, it you, hurts. It's it stings. Re- it yes. Every transfer away from BYU of a potentially good player stinks, no matter where they go. Right? When Matt Carlino went to Marquette, it's like whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what happened? I get that players transfer, but to have a Kabusi transfer is certainly unique. It, it, it hurts the perception more than anything. Right? Now. We'll see how much it actually turns out in right. reality, but right now, right. this is a gash, not just a paper cut with some lemon in it. This is a gash to the morale and the perception around BYU football. And their sensitivity because BYU is in a uh, worse situation than Utah in terms of conference affiliation or lack thereof. And BYU has lost nine in a row to Utah. And now you've had a couple of guys kind of head that direction. BYU's had a few impactful players, no doubt, from Utah. So it's not like it's uneven that way. Uh, Kyrus Tonga committed originally to Utah. He's here. He's one of the best defense players BYU has. Austin Lee was tremendous. Devontae Henry Cole's coming over from Utah to BYU we'll, this year. Exactly. We'll see what kind of impact he can have. So it goes back and forth. But if one of the Krugers had come down to BYU after their sophomore year, that's what this would have been like. Oh. I mean, and they're from Orem. So there you go. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU sophomore diver and an outstanding one at that. Kennedy Cribs joins us via Skype on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Kennedy, welcome to BYU Sports Nation for the first time. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All you had to do was qualify for the NCAA championships in the one- and three-meter diving events and become the first female at BYU to qualify in 10 years. So, first of all, congratulations on an outstanding season. <laughs> Thank you. It was a fun one. Well, it's an interesting one as well because – then it's cut short uh, unexpectedly. So how have you processed the emotions of doing something that no female diver had done in a decade and then not really being able to see the end of it? 
Um, it was really, really hard. So like the timeline was like, so we have a zones competition. So you have to qualify and get a qualifying score on one of the three boards, one meter, three meter or platform in order to qualify for zones. And then we compete at zones Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I'm definitely more of a springboard diver, like one meter and three meter. Like I do platform when duty calls, but it's not really my thing. Um, so we had the one meter and three meter competition on Monday and Tuesday. And I was super excited because I qualified. Wednesday, I sat out and cheered on my teammates for the platform meet, and then we flew home Thursday. And I remember Thursday, um, the head swim coach, John Brooks, he called me and was like, well, they're kind of not letting spectators in. So, like, I called my parents. was like, I don't think they're going to let you guys in. But at that point, I still thought that I would be able to compete. But then as, like, that Thursday progressed, it was just, I don't know, I got another call from my diving coach, Ty Stroudson, and he was like, I – they canceled NCAAs and I found out in class and I just like kind of cried in OCHEM. <laughs> I think the teacher thought it was because of OCHEM. <laughs> I definitely do cry in OCHEM because of OCHEM, but oh, man, I was yeah. crying because of that meet. <laughs> yeah, that's really hard. And I'm talking about OCHEM. Uh, I, had yeah. a, I had a roommate who was doing chemistry and OCHEM was like the hardest class. No, that's, that's tough, right? Because you're having the perhaps peak performance of your life athletically and then you don't have that payoff. So how have you kind of coped with that knowing, hey, I had a great year, but like everybody else, I couldn't kind of pay it off in the NCAA championships? Yeah, I kind of just had like, I don't know. I had to think about like the fact that, okay, I still have like two more seasons to go. And like, I don't know, I'm super competitive. And so this is just kind of adding fire to like fuel to my fire in terms of like, I don't know, when I, when the facilities open back up, because right now they're all closed, like, I'll definitely be really motivated to like work hard and definitely like try and make it next year as well. But my heart really goes out for the seniors that like are really trying to make NCAAs this coming year, like Shannon Evans, who don't have the chance to compete again. And they like had the rest of their season ripped away. And you would understand what Shannon is going through because you were a gymnast yourself. We'll get into more of that in just a moment. You broke the school one meter record at the MPSF championships. At what point in your life did you realize I'm pretty good at this diving thing, and I want to pursue it heavily. <laughs> um, I think, okay, so I started diving my junior year of high school, and I just joined their high school team. And my parents are kind of like, they thought I was crazy because they're like, you've never, I never had even dove off the side of a pool at that point. What? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I, like two months into high school season, I realized, I'm like, you know what? I want to be good, and I'm going to really try. And so then I finished off high school season, Um, I got fourth at state that first year and then I joined a club team. And so at that point I was like, you know what? I want to be good. Like when I put my mind to something, I want to be good. I tried my best to make it happen. And so from that point on, I just kind of fell in love with it. So four is the operative number here. You took fourth in state your junior year, the first year of diving. And then you've only been diving for four years. Um, Yeah. So I took fourth my junior year after like two months and then I won my senior year. Uh, wow that's incredible so at (laughs) at what point in this process did you realize oh I'm good or was it once you took fourth and state you go oh wow I think it was like kind of both I was just like you know I want to I want to be good like I don't want to be mediocre at this and then I got fourth and I was like oh maybe I'm not that bad (laughs) and then I just really worked really hard that coming year in club diving and I just ended up having a good meet at state and was really blessed to be able to say that so. Now, you weren't just uh, just sitting on the couch prior to this. So, you know, Spencer alluded to this. You were a gymnast for 12 years. You even won a, yeah. a floor exercise in the Western Regionals as, as 
recently as 2015. So this is like, what, a year later? So there's some tie-in between gymnastics and the uh, acrobatics involved in diving, I guess? Definitely. I would really say that that is what helped me transition pretty well and, like, helped me progress pretty fast in the sport of diving. Like, being able to know where I am and, like, knowing how to flip and twist and have air awareness. But I would definitely say the hardest part of the transition was learning how to land on my head because – gymnastics number one thing you're supposed to do is land on your feet and diving the number one is supposed to be on your, your head so like for me there's a lot of like belly flopping <laughs> involved in the tra- initial transition <laughs> i still belly flop but <laughs> no you don't yeah no, no I, you don't i don't believe you for do. a second what <laughs> so when when yes. you're uh figuring out a, a new dive or something yeah, so when you first learn new dives, like, we have a dryland room in the RB. It's kind of by the racquetball courts, and so it has trampolines and then, like, belts to help us, like, learn where we are in our dives. But at a certain point, you kind of just have to get up and chuck it. Um, like, I like to call it send and pray. Um, so you just kind of send it, and then, like, you kind of just pray in the middle of your dive, hoping that you land up somewhat vertical, but... Most of the time when you learn a new dive, there's at least a few horizontal landings. <laughs> You've introduced us to our new motto in life, send it and pray. Well, I was already sending it with Jerry, <laughs> right, on the slopes. But, uh, yeah, ch- chuck it, send uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. I, lo- I love yeah. this. This is great. I'm learning so much. She's a classic overachiever, an OCHEM superstar, and she's a pretty good diver as well. Kennedy <laughs> Cribs with us on BYU Sports Nation. How'd you do in OCHEM, by the way? Can I even ask that? Yeah, I okay. Honestly, I'm not doing that bad. I, there's also oh, it's this semester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I got a 92 on the midterm. Hey! Wow! <laughs> wow! Like I said, classic overachiever. That's amazing. <laughs> on BYU Sports Nation. Okay. Uh, at what point did you lose fear of diving into the water? Uh, and did you ever consider like the 10 meter? Has it ever been scary to you at all? Um, most definitely. So I was known like last year was my freshman year. I was known as like the hardcore springboard diver and like, so five meter, the one that we have, like the highest platform we have at BYU, that's the lowest competable platform for diving. And so there's also like a seven and a half meter and a 10 meter. So I just, I swore up and down my coach. I'm like, I will never touch a 10 meter. I will never do that. And then this year he got me up on 10 meter and I competed two dives at conference on 10 meter there was only a few tears shed walking up the <laughs> stairs. A lot of send and pray on that one. I yeah, assume. there was a Jesus take the wheel is kind of my motto as well. And yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Uh, you're also majoring in genetics, genomics. I didn't know that was a word till today. <laughs> and biotechnology. What, what are you going to so, do with that? That sounds really hard. I actually switched it over to biology just a little bit ago. Merely biology. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I am thinking about doing pre-med or getting a PhD, a science biomedical engineering PhD. So I am not exactly 100% sure what I want to do yet, but I think finding a field in medicine and applied science would be something I'd want to do. Well, we're just a couple of guys that wear makeup and talk about sports. So thanks for making us feel great about our lives. I get the sense that you could do whatever you want in your life. Like based on your experience with diving, based on your academic experience, it sounds like. Um, can, you just, can you just share what the rest of us need to, need to know to be able to do what you're doing? Motivationally or otherwise? <laughs> Work hard. 
and let Jesus take the wheel, sit and pray. That's okay. really Amen. kind of my life. Amen. <laughs> Let's go. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Kennedy, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Congratulations on a great season. And uh, by all means, stay safe, uh, be healthy, and hopefully we'll be seeing you up on uh, the one meter and the three meter and maybe even the 10 meter very soon. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Kennedy Cribs on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how outstanding interview and an outstanding diver. I love talking to people more interesting than me, and that's almost everybody in the world. You, you know, love I mean? your you know job I mean? so much, right? Yes, Kennedy Cribs is incredible. I didn't know much about her. We hadn't met her. Wow, I'm really impressed. I'm also impressed her apartment has Christmas lights up still. That's just, you know, she's next level. She's like nine months ahead. I, I love it. Yeah, well, apparently she's uh, alone in her apartment, too, so why not have Christmas lights? It's your place. It's yeah. your pad, man. Do what you want. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. You mentioned Final Four. Let's keep the conversation in bracket madness mode with our BYUSN Best Play Bracket as we push to our own Final Four, presented by doTERRA. If you're new to the program, we matched up the the eight rather best plays from BYU football last season and the eight top plays from the BYU basketball season to isolate and ultimately congratulate the best play of the athletic year. There were 16 plays. We're getting it down to one. We're, uh, we're close to just the Final Four here. Go to vote.buatv.org. Uh, the polls close at 11 a.m. Eastern time each day. Following a late push this morning, push being the operative word, <laughs> and in another very close vote, Tyson Williams, double overtime touchdown walk-off winner after an amazing offensive line push at Tennessee, moves on to the Final Four, receiving 54% of the vote, holding off Dax Milne's USF one-handed touchdown grab, which got 46% of the vote. The eight-seed Cinderella run for Dax Milne comes to an end. They thought they were the, what, 99 Knicks or whatever that went to the finals and lost. Uh, yeah, Tyson Williams. The real MVP is the refs who didn't blow the whistle. They just let it keep going because they were pushing forward. Okay, we now have three of the final four teams, by the way. So Micah Simon's 64-yard catch at Tennessee, which we were just talking about with him, will face T.J. Haas' game-winner versus Houston. Wow. That, it's, it's down to the final four, though. What it's a like legit, right? And uh, yesterday's winner, Tyson Williams, will play the winner of today's matchup, which is the following. September 14th, BYU and USC, Diane Gonwoluku's game-sealing interception in overtime. Takes his chest, high snap. He will throw quickly, battled up, and intercepted. Did they get it? If they got it, it's over. It's over. The Cougars picked it off. Yes, they did. Oh. And uh, had to review and then re-celebrate. It was a great, great day. Yeah, celebrate it twice. Why not? <laughs> Utah's like, one more time. What are you guys doing? Dying and the USC walk-off matched up against... Yet another T.J. Haas play, his alley-oop in crunch time to Yoli Childs, ultimately winning the game at San Diego. T.J. runs it, lobs it to Yoli. Oh, the hammer! The alley-oop throwdown! They want and a with 11 they want seconds. Timeout. timeout taken. So BYU goes up 72-71. to 71. How clutch is T.J. Haas? That clutch. It's ridiculous. That when he releases the ball, he's behind the three-point line. And Yoli Childs catches that thing and throws it down. And BYU wins. BYU had to make a great defensive play to win. BYU didn't lose uh, you know, any, any games besides San Francisco. That was the one loss mm-hmm. to a non-St. Zaga. That was big time. So go to vote.buatv.org uh, right now and uh, weigh in. This will be up until tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Right now, it's early. It's been uh, an hour and a half. 
Don Gonwoluku's interception up uh, 66 uh, 34 on the alley hoop, the as my South African roommates used to call it. Number two football alley seed hoop. matched up against the number three basketball seed, 66% to 34%. Vote.byutv.org. Sean Davis, you're out there. I, I know you're watching. Alley hoop. Alley hoop. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is time for our first guest of the day. He joins us via Skype on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. One of our fan favorites, Micah Simon, is live. Micah, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. How's life? It's pretty good, man. Trying to trying to stay sane throughout the quarantine. How do you stay sane? Uh, you know, really just try to work out, you know, when you can, where you can, and then try to, you know, spend some time uh, trying to better yourself in other areas. I've been trying to read a little bit more uh, and still playing video games and, and checking in with my friends and, and that that side of it. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> I, I've been doing that, too. I've been reading a little more, which is good. And I, I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm not learning when I'm not reading, which, which is uh, good. So that's awesome. It's also interesting for you because you're trying to get a job after college, right, like everyone that moves on. Um, it happens to be in the NFL. And we'll talk about your numbers on your self-pro day here in a second. But how is that preparation going, even though it's kind of a little weird right now? Yeah, uh, preparation is definitely unusual. Um, it's definitely a difficult time kind of for, for everything with, with pro days being canceled and visits being canceled, um, private workouts with teams being canceled. So you kind of lose out on, on some of the extra opportunity and exposure to to help yourself and better yourself Um you know, before the draft and, and the way teams look at you. But, you know, we're just taking it day by day and, and just controlling what controlling what I can control and, and just uh, go from there. Micah, you look very astute. Are you joining us from the Simon Library currently? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm actually, I'm actually in Provo. I'm staying, staying at a friend's house. Um, so we'll call this the – I don't know what we'll call it. Never mind. But <laughs> Simon's, Simon's uh, library or something. I'm in the kitchen at the, at the dining table, so <laughs> – Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, uh, as Jerem talked about, you had some really impressive numbers uh, that would have been taking place during your pro day, but given the weird situation, you just had to go out and do it yourself. Which of the individual drills that you participated in stood out the most to you? Um, I, I really think it was uh, my pro agility shuttle, the 5-10-5 drill. Um, you know, I always knew I was going to run a pretty fast time on the 40, but I wanted to show that I was able to move laterally and change directions at, at a quick, quick pace, quick speed. And the three nine that I ran there was was a, was a great time for me. Would have been um, number one for the receivers at the combine. So very, very proud of that for myself. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, your 40 was four three five. That would have been second among receivers, which is incredible. Uh, three cones, six six seven, would have been second. That's that's awesome. You're not only fast, but you're quick. Um, do you, do you feel like you'll get an opportunity to showcase this at the next level? 
Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I feel like I've I put myself in a good position to to have a chance and to be able to show my show my talents. Um, you know, at the, at the next level, I have a great team behind me that's that's working hard. My agents at a uh, Pillar Sports Management, and uh, they've been doing an awesome job so far, handling everything with with class and and just keeping me, you know, level headed and and prepared for for anything that can happen. So you know, much love to those guys. You've watched a few of your former teammates do this pro day thing and prepare and, and go on this journey to get in the NFL, including your former roommate, Fred Warner. So what kind of advice and instruction has he given to you as you go through this situation? Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to him a lot about this and, and even him at some, some points of it has said that, you know, this is just a crazy time and, and it's very unusual to for the situation that we're in but he was saying just control what you can control and you're he kept telling me that I'm not the only one that's that's in this situation you know everybody is so it's not like it's an unfair advantage for me or other guys are getting a better better opportunity for it so you know we're just taking it day by day and and just controlling what I can control and and living in the moment and just you know loving loving this time you know this is this is this is a great you know, opportunity for me, you know, even if like things don't work out, you know, I, I can say that I tried and, and got this far and, and was able to go through this process. Yeah. You're, you're going to get a look with those numbers. That's the exciting part. I thought you should have before, <laughs> but once you put these out, it was like, Oh wow. Mike is going to get in a camp somewhere for sure, which is going to be awesome. Let's talk about uh, something that came out a couple weeks ago, the college football drop rate. Uh, you finished, uh, I think what tied for 10th uh, at 1.7%. So would you have only one or two drops all year? Yeah, I think it, it came out that I had one drop on uh, 53 catchable targets. It was some, something like that. Mm. Do you so, remember the drop? I'm pretty sure it was the one against uh, Boise State on the sideline and kind of just slipped out. <laughs> oh, you had one whole was, drop. Oh, my gosh. How Did, you know did somebody it, threaten you that if you dropped the ball, you were going to be in big trouble? Is that what the key to this all was? Yeah, myself. <laughs> I <threatened> myself. <laughs> um, Matt Bushman had zero drops. Did it, what, it, he's, he's one of the best in the country. He, he got you, I guess, by one? One drop? He got me by one, yeah. So I remember in fall camp, we were – having these discussions as, as an offense. And, and, uh, I think somebody asked him what his nickname was. And, and he said it was honey hands. <laughs> and, we, and we were just like, what? And we don't know if he came up with that or, or if, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe his wife gave it to Emily, him. Yeah. I don't know. His, yeah. his dad or his dad or mom, but you know, it's, it's true. They're, they're sticky. He, he doesn't drop things. <laughs> How did we? Not, how did we miss this until now? Well, well we have a whole year to uh, <laughs> still indulge. Did did your hands have a nickname? No, nah, my hands didn't have a nickname, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, we'll work on that. Uh, or fortunately, let's be honest. <laughs> Mike is Simon with us on BYU Sports Station as he prepares for an unknown uh, football future. Micah, obviously, you want to play professionally, and, and you want that to last a while, but. What do you want to do once football ends? Yeah, um, you know, I, I feel like I – well, I definitely want to get my master's um, first. Uh, I want to do communications, actually. And then with with that, um, you know, I feel like it would be a great opportunity for me to, to become a graduate assistant. And, 
and you know kind of get that feel of the coaching world also if that's something that I would want to do you know uh Kalani and Fessy and a lot a lot of other coaches and people tell me I'd be a great coach so maybe that would be something that can just kind of get my foot in the door and, and kind of see if that's something I would really love to do you know a couple of years trying to get my master's but also doing that um so we'll we'll see what happens yeah that'd be awesome and uh communications is fun as well uh we'll, we'll offer whatever we can in that regard uh, which is cool let's talk that'd be great let's talk about um a, a couple of things from your senior year here so you 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 went from switching positions to not thrown to a ton but you go 51 catches 616 yards and then you have two receiving touchdowns i want to point out that you had five total touchdowns people forget two rushing, and a passing touchdown as well. How would you feel about your senior year? I felt pretty good about it, um, you know, especially the, the way I kind of bounced back from my junior season. Uh, I mean, uh, I wasn't happy at all about my junior year, did not play well, and, and was able to, you know, just put my head down and grind and, and bounce back and have a, have a productive senior year, um, somebody that people could count on out there on the field. And you know, that's that's kind of what this game is all about. It's just you know, being able to go out there and and trust everybody that's around you. So, was super happy with with uh, you know, my individual you know part of the, of, the, of the my senior year. But you know, obviously, I mean, you guys know I, I'm a winner and and I'm super competitive and you know, wish you know I could go back and 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 do more to, to help us win a couple other games. So. Yeah, that was very evident when you made the catch in the Rocky Top Revival at Tennessee, which, by the way, we're doing our BYU Sports Nation best play bracket. That takes on TJ Haas' game winner for basketball against Houston in the final four of our bracket tomorrow. So congratulations, Micah. Moving on, man. Man, that TJ shot, man, I don't know. I might... (laughs) He might he might get me on this next round. <laughs> <laughs> Walk us back to that play, and and we've been watching uh, you know some clips from the season. We just need football in our lives, uh, even though it's April. When Zach Wilson releases the ball at Tennessee, um, it's third down and eight, I think. There's 17 seconds left, and he throws the ball to you for 64 yards, and it sets up the field goal to get into OT. Walk us through just the unbelievable. Uh, nature of that play for you to get open and save the game. Yeah, it's it's you know I still talk about it now. Uh, just a crazy a crazy few plays. Um, I think the on first down I had ran a deep post and had like you know a safety in a corner on me. Second down I ran another deep uh, deep go route and the the secondary was too. Super bad. I'm not sure what happened. We're up. Not sure if they thought we were just going to throw a shorter pass and they wanted to tackle us or whatnot. But yeah, I was able to just kind of get behind the corner. Um, he had he had bad eyes looking in the backfield too much, and and yeah, Zach, Zach saw me and was able to catch it and, and have to you know had to make a move on the on that guy, and then everybody else was already swarming to me. Micah. Uh, uh, and the guy had a pretty good angle on and, and could outrun him. It, it's an unforgettable moment, man. And uh, so we love to relive it. We appreciate talking with you and are stoked for you as you uh, pursue your professional football career, man. Let's talk again soon. Thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate you guys, man. Thank you.
You got it. Micah Simon on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. It's one of the greatest plays in BYU history. I mean, I'd put it in the top 50. I don't know where. I'd have to kind of think about it a lot harder there. But we need to reassess it because we did it like six years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was your first thing on BYU TV. Uh-huh. Yeah, we threw you in there, and you did great. We decided to keep you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awesome. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It's time now for another bracket, our BYU Sports Nation Best Play Bracket, presented by doTERRA. We have pitted the top eight football plays against the top eight basketball plays over the athletic calendar year, and we are pushing towards determining the number one play. There were 16 plays. We're trying to find the top play. You can vote on vote.byutv.org. All right. Diane Gawoluku's interception to seal the USC game. He secures the final spot in the Final Four, Jerem. 63% of the oh, vote over TJ Haas to Yoli Child's alley-oop for a win at San Diego with 37%. So that sets up an overtime play versus overtime play scenario in the Final Four. Diane's interception takes on Tyson Williams' double overtime touchdown Ooh. to win at Tennessee. It, that last one that you just mentioned the results on, by the way, that is completely based on opponent. If BYU had that play against St. Mary's, or, oh, even the Gon- or even Gonzaga, it would be bigger. But because it was San Diego, everyone's like, what? Oh, how important was USC, that win, though? Oh, my goodness. Overtime. Yeah. yeah. No, oh, I, no, you're right. I get it. You're right. Okay, now for today's matchup. Okay, let's go. Features the top-seeded football play. Micah Simon, 64 yards, the miraculous play to help set up the game-tying field goal at Tennessee. 50 yards away from field goal territory. A step up by Wilson. Deep man is open! It's caught by Simon! Oh, yeah, He's playing the 40! The Come 35 back, 30, 30, 25, 20, 50! You gotta hustle! Line. You gotta hustle! You gotta hustle indeed. Greg says 50 yards away. BYU gets 64 yards on the play. 64 Woo! yards. I just can't what believe it play, happened. Man. I still can't believe it and, happened. And the play is great when the when the analyst is stepping on the play-by-play. Oh, play yeah, baby! Oh, run! Go! Yes. Yeah! Oh, yeah, baby. I'm so used to that with (laughs) Steve Vail going, oh, wow. I love it because that means the play was really big. And right now at this moment, you'll get to play two here in a second. 50-50. Woo! Let's go. Okay, that's Simon Catch will face off with the lone basketball play left in the bracket. Oh, snap. It is the two-seed, TJ Haas and his game winner at Houston. Inbounds to Haas with three seconds. Haas. Pulls up, fades away. Gets it to go! Houston! TJ Haas! TJ Haas is now surged <laughs> forward in the vote at vote.byutv.org. 55% to 45%. All time plays, man. Both on yeah, the road. Yeah. Both seriously Amazing. clutch. So fun. Hey, those are both in the top, you know, 25 or 50 plays of their respective sports. Uh, absolutely. I love the raw audio of Mark Durant, who we see him oh! and he's hugging TJ Haas and the whole team's hugging him and subsequently the whole team's hugging Mark and they're all hugging everyone that's Headsets listening. are falling off. Yeah. Jason's over there keeping his headset on, yelling, somehow isn't involved in the <laughs> hug. He could. It would have been awesome if he's like, he just like slid to his left. He's like, yeah, man! While he's on the air, that would have been awesome. So go to vote.buitv.org, like some of you have already, and there's the picture. Yeah, baby! 
Bang! Jason by himself on the right. Hey, guys. Just going to continue the broadcast Someone's got to carry this because yep. clearly Mark is busy, and I am not. Yeah. He's got to carry the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, energy's good. Top 5 Tuesday now, presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. It is the top 5 basketball buzzer beaters on the men's side all-time. Jerem, kick it off at 5. Number 5, Jimmer Fredette. 2011, January. Halftime. Just casually strolling up to midcourt, throwing it up. Bang. I'm under the basket there, shooting that for the true blue. Swish! Yes, exactly. One of the greatest halves of basketball ever! At number four. You can call this recency bias if you want, but I believe it'll hold up over time. TJ Howe's game winner at Houston in front of both of his BYU head coaches deserves a spot in our top five. This is the shot that really started the magic for BYU this previous season. Fall away bouncer as time expires to give BYU a quad one victory. Also a top five moment in Jason Shepard's life. He was on SportsCenter. That's awesome. Number three, it's all about the story. Hours before tip, Craig Cusick's dad was diagnosed with cancer. He was playing Utah State, and Craig Cusick gets the follow-up to Matt Carlino's miss at the buzzer for the win. They gave, I think, .3 seconds or something for Utah State after, but what a story. Craig Cusick was in this studio on SportsCenter the next day. Number two, rewind to 1992. BYU and UTEP in the WAC championship. The Cougars down one with two and a half seconds left. Kevin Nixon, send it and pray from 55 feet. Splash. WAC championship and an auto bid to the NCAA tournament. Nixon repeated his heroics seven months later in the Maui invite, hitting another shot at the buzzer, not as far away, to beat number nine Oklahoma. That shot barely missed the cut this week, but this, a 55-foot special. I wrote an article about this in fourth grade in my computer class. That's awesome, man. And the buzzer beater, the greatest in BYU history, Danny Ainge to send BYU to the Elite Eight at the buzzer over Orlando Woolridge to beat Notre Dame in the Omni in Atlanta. Oh, baby, 22 coast to coast. I love it so much. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast Every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.